Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Why are you doing this, Nori? I feel like it's my responsibility. You feel like everyone is your responsibility. No! This is different. You could have landed anywhere and you landed here. I know it sounds strange, but somehow I just know it's important. It's like there's a reason this happened, like I was supposed to find him. Me. I can't walk away from that, not till I know he's safe. Can you? Fine, I'll tell anyone. Thank you. Rhode Island, welcome to the Rings of Power with Mary and Blake. It's a podcast dedicated to the Rings of Power on Amazon Prime Video. So sit back, relax, and let's chat the glory of the Second Age. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. My name is Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and I have realized that I never, ever, ever want to get just stuck in the ocean. Yeah. That looks miserable. Quite. And all that miserable. water around you, you can't take a drink of nothing of it. And and then, like, when the guy, when Halbrand put his hand in the water to, like, put it on his, on his hair, I was like, what are you doing? You're just completely just wet hot. all the time. He's hot. Oh, my God. Because he has all that salt drying on him. Oh, misery. It's no joke. I hate the beach. And you I don't even Sam's. have, like, Moana next to you singing. No, I, I and, and Grandma Tala, you know, as a manta ray flying below you. None of that. No, you don't get any of that. Disney lied. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to have an idyllic mirror image of myself in the evening looking at the stars. Wondering and realizing who I am. Alas, you are stuck on a boat. <laughs> nope. I think the Galadriel experience is probably a little bit more realistic, even with the worm. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Well, everybody, we are so happy to be here with you discussing this episode of Rings of Power. But before we do, we just want to give you a heads up that this episode is brought to you by MinuteWithMary.com. It's your one-stop shop for all things beauty and skincare. You can learn more by searching the hashtag MinuteWithMary on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. On that note, let's get into the show. Little plot 
plot recap for those of you friends in the future who are binging this and you don't know where season episode two begins, I'll tell you. In this episode, Galadriel has her little boat friend and they chat and get to know each other a, a wee bit while they're running away from a worm. Well, swimming or sailing away from a worm, I guess, in a storm. Elrond goes to visit his friend Durin. He's not too friendly. And then Nori tries to help the stranger and Arendir decides to go in a tunnel and Bronwyn kills an orc. An orc. Yeah, a, a totally bad news orc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, even that sound is... <laughs> I do need to stop for one moment before you jump in. Okay, what do you got? The clip that you played in the beginning of this episode, mm-hmm. I was listening to it. And as of now, I think I'm Nori. I think I'm Nori Brandyfoot of the characters. In what way? I want you to listen to this. Can you pull up the same clip again? Um, exactly where you had it. Yeah, give me um, give me a minute. Okay. I would love for you all to listen to this clip, but picture me. Maybe you don't even know who I am, but hi. Picture a tall, freckled lady and picture, you know, Poppy being Blake. Yep. And we have found oh, okay, I an see orange it. kitten in the woods. <laughs> All right, play it, Blake. Okay, here you go. Why are you doing this, Nori? Why are you doing this, Mary? Continue. Just feel like it's my responsibility. You feel like everyone is your responsibility. No. Yep. <laughs> this is different. No. I <laughs> <laughs> could have landed anywhere, and he landed here. <laughs> I know it sounds strange, but somehow I just know he's important. <laughs> Like there's a reason this happened. Like, I was supposed to find him. <laughs> yes, I was supposed to find the little orange cat. Yeah. Me. Me. <laughs> I can't walk away from that, not till I know he's safe. <laughs> you? Look at you, Blake. <sighs> Fine. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty Word for uh, word. That is exactly what happened yes, when we got one of our cats. Seven years ago. Yes, when absolutely. When I found a cat in the woods. A wee little kitten. <laughs> this cat that was mom. barely five minutes old. Yeah. And Mary comes up to me, cat in hand. <laughs> I have to take him I feel like home. it was meant for me. <laughs> me. I just need to make sure he's safe. <laughs> oh. <sighs> and then... And then we kept that we kept that cat. For a we long named him Sassanok yep. after our our love of Outlander. Did a far Sassanok. Even though he was a male and he had orange hair, he reminded well, us of Jamie Fraser. But he was he could still be an Outlander. He was an Outlander. Yeah. He didn't he, he didn't belong there. That's right. And then he grew so big and so fat and uh, started peeing all over our kids. And furniture. he was picking on our other cat, Khaleesi. He was picking on Khaleesi, and uh, we found Sassanak a home where he could be by himself and he's grown even bigger yes and he is living a safe luscious well cared for life. life but we too had a stranger and he's job of the hut now. enter our world and i felt like he was my responsibility <laughs> and as you played that clip i just think of all the different creatures and things that i find i, I do this with like um uh, people that i find on the road oh god yes all the time all the time if they're uh, homeless, if they're drunk, people just asking me for directions, I'll say, just follow me. I'll drive you there. And every conversation that Mary has with me about this always ends with, fine. So as you played this clip, I just love that this is what you played. Very interesting, As this Mary. is a look into our marriage. It, that, I'm Nori, and you're Poppy. Yeah, that is 100% And we're just going to have to true. watch this whole season, keeping that in mind. <laughs> All right, so... 
This episode, the second episode of The Rings of Power, is entitled Adrift. Once again, directed by J.A. Bayona, a really, seriously, a talented director. The The show is lucky that they have him at the helm here. And uh, you should know that name because he directed the premiere of The Rings of Power. And it was written by Jennifer Hutchinson. Now, Mary, I know you don't know that name, and I know you, the listener. You more than likely don't know that name, but Jennifer Hutchinson is actually an extraordinarily talented writer. And she has basically kept her entire career, for the most part, in the Breaking Bad universe. She wrote with Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould and all those guys for Breaking Bad, but also Better Call Saul. And she left Saul to write for this show. Mm. So it's important that you know this name because she's really talented. And the fact of the matter is she came from a show in the Breaking Bad universe. You know, either it was Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. She also wrote for The Strain a couple of episodes as well. But mainly the Breaking Bad universe. And that universe is very lore driven. It is very... There's lots of characters. There's a wide world. There's a lot of different uh, vast characters uh, to keep track of. Mm -hmm. And Jennifer Hutchinson is really capable of doing that. So even though you may not have heard of the showrunners, J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, rest easy knowing that Jennifer Hutchinson is is in the writer's room Mm -hmm. because she's just super awesome. And when I wrote, when I watched this episode... I could feel that. I could feel, and there's some great instances of this that I want to talk about. But yes, Jennifer Hutchinson, keep out, keep an eye out for that name. I will. All right, good. Very good. What do you got for your rings rating, Mary? How many rings are you given this episode? This episode is the same as the first episode, a 4.8. Still really like it. Mm-hmm. For me to rate things highly, I often need it to be something I can rewatch frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked it a lot. Sure. I'm giving this one a 4-3. I liked it better than the premiere, but it's basically the same. And I'm giving it a, essentially another 0. 0.2 because of Jennifer Hutchinson. But I can also appreciate that they released these two at the same time. So it yes. is still premiere-esque. And I can appreciate that. Yeah. You know, when Mary and I were discussing this podcast, we were debating about whether or not we should do just one episode for the first two because that was how the show was presented to us. It's clear that this was meant to be seen with the first one. You know, it uh, it tells a more complete story that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, the, the idea for a pilot or premiere is to tell not only a story that is... Uh, interesting and ironic in ways and ones that captures your attention but it also it needs to tell its own complete story by itself and it does so i think with especially with uh, the stranger and nori but it also does it i think with galadriel too uh when she ends up you know, in the ocean and then she ends up getting rescued and she mm-hmm. meets Halbrand. Uh, and and she's in this position because simply of her actions at the end of the premiere. So uh, seeing the two together, I think is important. All right, Mary, what do you got for your GBG? You're good, you're bad, and you're great. Okay. And I, and I do this for new listeners because it reminds me of an Oreo, reminds me of a sandwich. <laughs> we have GBG conversations with our children every single night at All dinner. Yep. And this way... 
things end on a positive note. And now Blake actually uses this at work. All the time. He doesn't tell his employees. No, God, no. no. But if he has to give feedback, he now doesn't just do Bs. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, usually B. it's a BGB, but, yeah, but not no, anymore. Yeah. Once I heard one of your phone conversations, I yeah. said, I think you need a GBG that, baby. <laughs> All right. So my good is I just want to hang with the Harfoots. I feel like that needs to be a shirt. Hang with the Harfoots? Hanging with the Harfoots. Oh, I'm, I'm putting that at the Mary and Blake store at the end of this episode. Yeah. Hanging with the Harfoots. That's what I want to do. Sans the snails. Mm-hmm. You can even have that as a little tagline, sounds of snails. <laughs> hold the snails. Um, hold the snails. Yep, that's what it is. <laughs> Hang with the half foots, hold the snails. <laughs> <laughs> I am here for everything, their merriment, their music, their firefly lanterns. Here for it yep. all. Yep. Um, my bad. I'm bored when I'm on a boat. Don't blame you. Okay? I love cruises, though. I mean, I know I'm supposed to be afraid of this worm. I know. I get it. The the part that I liked the most was when Galadriel was sinking. Not that I wanted her to die. <laughs> but that was the the part that I actually really cared about. And what sucks is I bet they talked about really important stuff, but that part was just boring to me. And maybe maybe because I'm thirsty and I don't want to pretend I'm on a boat too. I don't know, but for those moments on the boat, I was bored. Well, yeah, the, that, that's where things slow down pretty significantly. I, I don't blame you. Snooze fast, and they probably, as I said, drop some important info. Yep. I don't care. Blake will remind me about it. And you know, My, the other thing too is during the boat scene, yeah. Galadriel is doing this thing with a rope where she's like, yeah, like what the heck is she doing? What are you doing? Has like, she, it's she's not like a rudder. She's been on a boat before. <laughs> yeah. Like she, she's like pulling on this thing for no reason There's other no than- sail. There's no sail. There's no rudder. It. No. She's just pulling on this thing. It's not like she's I don't securing know why. it. She's, yeah, she's not using it as a paddle. And maybe it's like the, like her way to like get her 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 aggression out, yeah, maybe? maybe she's a fiddler. She needs she's a fidget spidget. Fidget Fidget spidget. A f- fidget a, widget. The, whatever. <laughs> a fidget spidget. Yeah, sure, Barry. Isn't it a fidget spinner? Fidget spinner, sure. But I don't, it's, that's isn't it called a fidget, the, fidget widget? I don't know. We don't use them. We're, no. we're, we we grew up in the 80s. We didn't get that stuff. We just we got went outside and Dunkaroos. <laughs> you got some energy? You know what our fidget spidget was? A, oh, a soccer ball. My parents would make me just clean the car. <laughs> go wash the car. You're, you're too busy. You have nothing going on. No. Go 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 rake your the neighbor's lawn. But yeah. she's not gonna pay me. Oh well. Go go shovel snow. Why are you but still it's here? The summer. I don't care. Yeah, goodbye. Figure it out. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I agree. That was it. it. It to me just kind of um reminded me of moments when people are on stage so mm. they can't really travel as much room to room. Yeah. And they're stuck, so they have to fidget a little bit. They gotta do something. And so same thing. Galadriel's stuck on this raft. Can't go anywhere. So you just got to fidget. And it felt foolish. So yep. yeah, I was bored on the boat. My great, however, is I want to be, I think I've watched too many Netflix documentaries and I want to figure out who the bad guy is. Is it the stranger? Is it Theo? Is it the boat friend? Who's the bad guy? Generally in Middle Earth, in the Tolkien universe, good is good, bad is bad. It's sure. pretty straightforward. Yep. But I don't know about these three fellas. Okay, I just don't know. You don't about know me. about or, Theo, the stranger, or Halbrand, or even um, uh, Cel- uh, Celebrimbor. Oh, Celebrimbor. Celebrimbor. Yeah, I don't even know about him. No, nah, I think so Celebrimbor is a good guy. I know. I know. I'll get into him. Okay, but the four of them, 
I don't know if I trust you, and I kind of like it. Yeah. So I'm sitting here like Sherlock Holmes, figuring oh, okay. out who's going to go bad first. Mm, are you the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, of or course. are you the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock Holmes? I am 100 percent the Robert Downey Jr. See, I'm I'm about. I mean, I love Adi J. Don't don't get me wrong, but the Benedict Cumberbatch the Sherlock is the greatest Sherlock to ever been. Put oh, to I screen. concur. I would not be the best Sherlock. Oh, okay. I right. would get distracted once I got to the Harfoots, <laughs> looking for hang with the Harfoots. Yeah, I'd get I'd get stuck there. Weren't you supposed to be doing something? I forget. Sure, with the snails. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my GBG. How about you? Uh, that was your no. You have a oh yeah, that was your grade. Okay, my, my good. Go, my grade is that I think everyone could be bad. All right, all gotcha. these new people, and I'm excited to find out if any of them do turn. Yep, gotcha. All right, I have a good, and it's a tie. I know Mary loves when I have ties. And the first one, the first good is, again, the show continues to use the visual language from Peter Jackson. And in particular, Mm -hmm. there's a shot when um, Aaron Deere is in the tunnel. And as he's looking down the tunnel, when he hears this sound, but obviously and presumably is an orc, uh, there is this there's this rack focusing zoom shot mm-hmm. that goes down the tunnel and that is something that is famous that you know a lot of directors use but in particular uh, um Peter Jackson uses that in 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 Fellowship of the Ring and he uses it quite a bit and I and I just love the fact that the show continues to call back to its own to the iconography from Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. but in a way that is fun and creative and if you pay attention you get to see these things so I like that but the other really good here for me is the fact that in addition to the Lord of the Rings universe it's also expanding on it in a way in that <clears throat> the Rings of Power is expanding on the Lord of the Rings universe in that orcs in the Lord of the Rings movies are kind of cannon fodder they're just a bunch of friggin log carriers walking around and they get killed with without with pretty much a lot of ease i mean they're they like one arrow and they're dead and there's tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of them that we all see them get killed and we all know okay you know when uh when the elves and everybody's out there killing everybody they're just kind of the the orcs are just kind of there and they're getting killed However, in this episode, they make the orcs scary. They really did. Like legitimately scary. Like horror movie, somebody's in your house and you stupidly climbed upstairs to hide in your bedroom and there's no other way out. Yeah. Yeah. Very reminiscent of Halloween, mm-hmm. uh, in, if if you will, with with uh, Bronwyn in the or Alfred Hitchcock uh, in the in the closet, looking at this uh, orc doing his thing, and the way the orc even comes up, like brings his hand up oh. over the like his claws over his the acrylic floor. nails. Yeah, mm. <laughs> you got the coffin style nails. <laughs> coffin style nails. Mm-hmm. Uh, really legitimately scary. And the fact that the orc doesn't die, it takes forever for this orc to die, even though Theo's trying to like hang him and then they're stabbing him and then he's throwing kids into the tables. And, you know, like we got 50 million things happening in this kitchen scene and the orc is the center of it. And it's great. And not only is he hard to kill, but the visual design of the orc is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. It makes orcs scary again. It makes it look like, okay, there's real trouble when these things are around. You know, maybe, you know, when Halbrand is around or, or or Galadriel is around, they're less troublesome. But for our main characters outside of those, 
yeah, it's 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 going to be difficult. The creators said that they actually based that scene on a scene from Torn Curtain, Alfred Hitchcock's movie. Oh, look at you! Yeah. I was right. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Just and that that scene they said took like eight minutes. Yeah, just to show that like killing somebody's hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> normal right? people fighting for their lives. It's not just one swift move. We're not all Galadriel. Yeah. yeah, right. We're, we're not all Jason Bourne, you know, just <laughs> often people left yep. and right. These are just regular people fighting what, you know, by all accounts is a pretty evil being and derives their evil from Morgoth and Sauron. Mm-hmm. And you'd think that their one job in life is to kill humans and everything else. Yes. They'd be pretty good at it. Yes. So, yeah, I like that. All right, my bad. The CGI in the worm attack, I thought that the CGI was pretty bad. Um, and it's not necessarily the worm itself, but like it's a combination of a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. It's the the water. Water is incredibly hard to do in CGI. Like same thing with like fire and the manipulation of sand. And those are all, you know, you gotta think that every ounce of water in a, a, a computer-driven shot has to be created, and it has to be moved, and it has to uh, splash, and it, that is all computer-driven, and it's all calculated, and you have to have literally supercomputers do this stuff in order for this to happen. Uh, and even when you do use these supercomputers to do it, getting it to be lifelike is very hard. Add on top of the fact that there's a bunch of mist and having the boat go within the within the mist on top of the water the worm itself sp- sl- uh, splashing about that's a very difficult shot to create mm-hmm. um the good news about that shot is that J.A. Bayona, what he does is he shoots around the worm to the best of his ability so he doesn't necessarily show the worm in its big grandeur and he shoots around it in in a sense that Yes, there are CGI shots. Yes, there are visual effects, but they're they're kept, I think, to the best of their ability at a minimum so that we don't have that sense of, okay, this is fake. It's, it, you know, we call that the Jaws approach, right? Like, don't show the shock. If you don't show the shock, you're going to be in good shape. Uh, and oddly enough, Steven Spielberg did that because he couldn't shoot the shock. The shock was broken in Jaws. So... <laughs> It's true. They couldn't get it to work. So that's why they never showed it. <laughs> I love that. I love it. So uh, my great, I also, again, once again, have a tie. Uh, first is the blood moving into the sword when Theo um, when Ooh. Theo is holding the hilt yes. and the sword starts materializing. And that is, I think, indicative of two things. One, Theo is hearing this sword and it is calling to him in some particular way. And now it has part of him and that part of him is helping manifest this sword. That is bad news mm-hmm. for Theo and Bronwyn and what's coming out. Maybe think of the spell in Goblet of Fire where they needed a drop. You're a wizard, Harry. Of Harry's blood to bring Voldemort back to life. Right, good point. Good point. Uh, so I just like that. And I like the fact that there. There are things that are happening outside of Galadriel's control. There are things that are happening outside of Arendir's control that trouble is brewing in places that you don't know and you don't expect. 
And you think, okay, well, yeah, everything's going to be under control because the elves got it here and, you know, Galadriel's on the way and we're going to figure this all out. And it's like, no, it's like this little kid that could bring the harbinger of all that is evil in the world back to life. Mm -hmm. I really like that. But my real great is the fact that the show continues to build on something that we talked about last episode, Mary, and that is the um, the playfulness of of this world um, because as we talked about in the last episode, Lord of the Rings, the films are important because of the relationships that are shared between our characters mm-hmm. and the fact that we care about what happens to them because they're, they are approachable. They, uh, they got problems that we can relate to and they share friendships. You don't, you know, the, the idea behind all drama is to see how characters change, but how relationships evolve and what happens to those relationships. If someone dies, if someone gets, if, if, if a friend turns on someone else, uh, if, you know, it's almost like when, remember when, uh, uh, Frodo was starting to listen to Gollum more than he was Samwise. Yes. Yeah. Hot was, potatoes. Bro- yeah, yeah. Hot was broken over that scene. Mm. And you look at you know Samwise, and you're like, and he's just crying, and you're crying with him, and that's because they spent most of the of the films mm-hmm. building that relationship up, and the show is continuing to do this in in many different ways. And that being said, the ways that this is happening is whether it is. Um, you know the rock banging banging between Elrond and Endurin. Uh, and how that, like the the silliness of that, like th- there's this you know match and Elrond and everything. But what is born out of that? The fact that Elrond has been away for 20 years, and that's a blink of an eye to an elf, but that is a full lifetime to a dwarf, which then leads to the dinner scene, which out of that is born Disa and their and Durin's marriage and their kids and the kids running around with the helmets on and banging their head on on the on the chandelier and in the whole thing and you hear Durin with his kids and this is all really important stuff and eventually when you find out that Durin is hiding something from Elrond later on that hurts because of the friendship and the silliness and the and the relationship that was that came out of this stupid rock banging um scene you know like yeah. that that all of that comes out of that and another great thing too the relationship between Nori and um oh what the heck's her name Poppy Poppy thank you the character that is you yes poppy yes <laughs> the like when they're bringing the stranger up in the wheelbarrow in the wheelbarrow and they stop to talk about it. And it's a very serious conversation. And then all of a sudden the wheelbarrow starts to f- go down the hill oh, and she's it. like, great goats, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then oh, I'm only worried about the wheelbarrow. Like all of these things that works. And that sets up what we played at the top of our episode, which is the conversation that is basically you and I, Mary, mm-hmm. That wheelbarrow scene sets that up so that when when Poppy does make that decision, you understand why she makes that decision. And that is why I love the fact that it's Jennifer Hutchinson who writes this episode because she knows enough 
to invest in these little whimsical moments, these little friendship moments, so that when the big stuff happens, you care about the little stuff. Mm-hmm. That's that's what that's what I love. That's my great. I know I went on a big rant there. I apologize. It's okay, it's okay. we're still here for it. Blake. That's that. All right, Mary, you ready for the Fellowship of the Ring? You ready to hear what everybody else has to say? Sure, I am. Let's do it. Strangers from distant lands, friends of old, you shall be the Fellowship of the Ring. Maureen Perot starts things off. Um, She said that she was very pleasantly surprised. Now, this review, friends, is about the initial two episodes, just because Maureen, like a lot of people, watch them together. She said that she gives both episodes four rings. It looks great, but still needs to find its footing. My good is that we dive into the relationship between familiar characters like Elrond and Galadriel while giving proper and effective introductions to the newcomers. The way we meet the Harfoots, for example, is really neat. You quickly get a sense of each character's personality. My bad is that we actually have only met half of the main cast, and I'm just a little worried things are going to be hard to keep up with very fast. The story already goes in many directions, and I just hope we don't end up with a bunch of boring parts. My great is that the show is absolutely stunning visually. From the production design to the um, effects to the costumes, everything is gorgeous. Hashtag Bezos money. (laughs) Directing wise, it's also beautiful and very cinematic. And you could tell a lot of work has been poured into making this very first season. Can't wait to see the rest of it. Yeah. You know, the the thing is, (sighs) Maureen is, is totally right in the fact that at the end of this episode, Mary, the plot, I feel like, is either going to be really focused on Galadriel and her journey with the characters that we've already come to meet sprinkled in and how they all converge at one point eventually in the season. Mm -hmm. Or (laughs) what could happen is that the plot goes way off the rails. (laughs) Like totally banana land off the rails and everyone's doing 40 million things and you won't be able to keep up, especially because... We still have more cast to meet, like, and not just ancillary cast, like legit main characters. Mm-hmm. So, <sighs> Marine, I'm with you in the worry in the in the worry category a little bit there. All right, Mary, what, what do we get next? The next one comes from Allie Kate. I'm giving it 3.5 rings. I'm definitely not giving up on it yet. It doesn't feel like Lord of the Rings so far, but there's an awful lot of setup. It's rare that a pilot will knock your socks off, so I'm holding my tongue for a while. I do think they're missing the camaraderie that was so endearing almost immediately in Lord of the Rings, and this show will suffer quickly if they don't establish some decent character relationships soon. I like the actress playing Galadriel, but the elves are so strong and stoic that I can't imagine caring about them that much. And also, as an Irish person, the worst part was the damn accents of the Harfoots. Hollywood can never get an Irish accent right. And even if anyone says that that's not meant to be Irish, it's clearly taken heavy inspiration from the Hollywood Irish, which continues to be an assault on our ears. (laughs) Listen, Allie, if there's one person on this planet that gets it more than you do, it's me. Because Hollywood just runs like... Rampant, like it, it is awful the way that they characterize the Boston accent. It drives me up the wall. And as much as I love Benedict Cumberbatch, his Boston accent not great m- might be the worst I've ever heard. Agreed. It, it in, in 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 Black Mass, it was awful. Uh, but Mary, um, 
are you, do you think that Ali is right that the, the relationships haven't been established yet or they didn't establish them as quickly or as well as Lord of the Rings did? Well, I would disagree. Okay. And I would disagree because the different races of, of people and creatures in this show, we are we spent the most time with elves, I would say. Particularly in the first episode. Yes. We spent a ton of time with the elves. And then amongst that, aside from the Harfoots, we're with an elf the entire time. Yes. You know, whether we're in Casa Doom or we're on a boat and uh, or we're in tunnels and the interesting thing with the elves is they are so stoic. Right. And they don't seem warm and fuzzy. Like they're the opposites of the Harfoots. Whereas in the Lord of the Rings, we are at the Shire. We are with all of our sweet little Bagginsons and Pippins. We're, we're with Even Sam- Gandalf. Yes. Yes. We are with merry, happy, sweet, and welcoming people. Yes. So... I'm looking at this show through those eyes. Okay, why am I not connected with these people? Oh, yeah, because they're elves. And you know how you have those people in your life that just kind of have that relationship boundary and it's just who they are? You know those people who don't like to hug? Like if you're a hugger and you're like, but that's my friend and they're not a hugger. And it's not that your friend's bad that they don't like to hug you. They're just not not a a hugger. hugger, Okay, Or maybe you have some friends who are a little bit more demure. Or maybe they don't react as big as you do. Sure. That is who they are. So for me, seeing it through those eyes for the elves, I'm, I still think that they have connections. They're just not as warm and fuzzy as the Harfoots or the Hobbits that gotcha. we're used to. Nope, I get you. All right, why don't you do the next one too, Mary? This one comes from Roseanne, I think. Okay. Hi, Roseanne. She writes in, found it mesmerizing from the beginning and completely set apart from Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings masterwork. It adds even more depth to the story that we know without competing with it. Stellar cast, but outstanding. Oh, hold on. I got to play it. Props to the actor who played Aaron Deer, who conveyed a full depth of character in a few scenes. And Roseanne gives it five rings. And I would agree, out of all of the else, I actually feel moved more by Aaron Deer. Because of a relationship. With a non-elf. With a bro- with Bronwyn. Most likely. Yeah, like that's the reason why you connect with him. Because he actually is, again. Yeah, he ca- has ca- like a non-elven relationship. When we yeah. see elves with elves, it's like people hugging with a sheet stuck between them. Yeah. Okay, like what is this? And th- that also means, Mary, here's the thing. It's no coincidence that Galadriel is eventually paired up with Halbrand because you're going to get a, a, an elf and non-elf relationship. That doesn't mean that anything is going to be consummated in this relationship. It just means that there is going to be something brought out of Galadriel that Hal, Halbrand or whoever they meet up with at the end is going to bring out of her, just the same way that Bronwyn brings it out of Arendir. Yeah, this kind of reminds me, I was watching a recent, not a recent, but I was recently watching an interview with Emma Watson, our beloved Hermione from mm-hmm. the Harry Potter series. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> and she was asked the difference of dating men in Europe and in England compared to men here in the United States where she went to college. And she said, you know, that the boys that she would date in England, they took forever to court her. Mm-hmm. And they were very quiet. And eventually they might 
insult her in a mean ways of kind of like trying to flirt with her, but insult her a yeah, little Draco bit. Yeah, Draco Malfoy. And that they were always well put together. They were always well dressed. And, you know, it, it would take a very long time for their affections to come to the surface and for them to start dating. Sure. And then she said, of course, she comes here to Rhode Island, hey, <laughs> to go to college at Brown University. And... Pretty soon after, some guy walked up to her in flip-flops and said, hey, you know, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Let's go on a date. <laughs> and she said it was just so straightforward, genuine still, but like just very straightforward. Yeah. Here's how it is. A scruffy, but all right. So i that's how I'm kind of feeling Could it. you imagine just being some jabroni from like Warwick? Warwick, Rhode Island. And like, and going up to, going up to freaking Emma Watson and just say, hey, let's go on a date. Well, they were chatting, she said in the interview. I know, but still, could, could you imagine having the Stugats to do that? Just, you're, you're Hermione Granger, and him. I'm some jabroni. Good for him. You know, that, <laughs> that I, I, my main job is the, is the, the Greek fest. <laughs> and, and you're Emma Watson. I, I don't know. It's just, it's amazing But to that's me. what it makes me think, is that yeah. if I see it through those eyes, that they uh, even just think about um, different, just different cultures in your state, in your city, you know, different families are used to interacting mm -hmm. a bit more openly or a bit more reserved than others. Sure. I'm a very open person in case you can't tell friends. So when I go to a very reserved household for dinner. Mm, doesn't work out well. No. And I nope. think these people are elves. Yeah, it, uh, it's bad. <laughs> when Mary shows up, just being her bubblies, being her no her nori self. Yeah, like, it's where, me. They're like, where are your shoes? Why didn't you brush your hair? No. <laughs> oh man. Yes. So there you go. Thank you all, friends, for submitting your feedback. Don't forget. We check our feedback on our social media fronts. We also have a voicemail that you can call. Uh, you just go to maryandblake.com. You click the upper menu and the contact button, and you can leave your voicemail there. We would love to have your voice here on the show. Yes. So, all right. Oh, by the way, Mary, we get a brand new opening sequence for this episode. It's totally brand new, uh, and it actually follows the same, um, oddly enough, it follows, the, the, the show is following the same template as House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon did not have an opening sequence in the first episode, yet it did in the second and third. Rings of Power does not have one in the first episode because we get right to it, and the second one does. What did you think of the brand new opening sequence? Do you like it? Do you not like it? What do you think it all means, by the way? Well, we've got it's it's little bits of sand. Yes, and rock little and whatever. Little rocks yeah. and sand in there forming different formations, correct? Yes. Um and and what do you see in those formations? Well, the the things that we see, uh we see like the trees that come out. Um it's it's almost like the tree of life. Um you know, it, in you know, a Celtic tree of life, but uh, I see on both it as sides. It's the trees from Valinor. Oh no, but it is. I'm saying, but it it in its design the way that it is, it's okay. a Celtic tree of life. Um, we also see uh, nine rings that come up uh, of it too, and then also we see when like the Sauron kind of ugliness, dark theme kind of butts its way into the theme. Mm -hmm. We see uh, black, uh, black sand moving throughout the the lighter sand mm -hmm. like a snake almost. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other different stuff on there. Really, honestly, I, it finally ends with what appears to be mountains, uh, but. What it made me think of, Mary, is the way that actually Disa talks about resonating. Yes. Well, that's that's all I was thinking about as soon as she said that. Yes. Like, and and how each bits of the story that are being told has a place 
in 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 the story, right? Like it, no matter how small or how big, it all has a place and has a it has a it has a spot in the larger tapestry of what the story is trying to set trying to say. Whether that is Nori or it is someone as high and powerful as Galadriel or or the high elf king, you know, everyone has a spot, and every one of their actions it it, it sends ripples throughout. Mm. And creates different formations of life for everybody. So that's what I took out of that. But yeah, the resonating and, and moving the rock and understanding, you know, where to dig, what to find, how to find it, and where, you know, you just leave something alone. That's what I took out of out of that. No, I agree. And you know, it's it was interesting because of course I've now rewatched this episode several times. Um, and what I loved about it, you just visually watching it the first time, it's very exciting. And um just seeing the sand move in different ways that we recognize, some of which we may not recognize yet. But then, like you said, when we get to learn about the resonating, mm-hmm. singing to the rocks, uh, some of the rocks, you know, where to dig, where not to, where things are moving to, and then rocks not to touch mm-hmm. and uh, not to go, you know, not to leave alone. And so it makes me very excited to delve into the musicality of how this may play a a point in a picture um, mm-hmm. that digging may bring about darkness, that um, really there's going to be secrets within rocks. And, say, you know, I just, I, I really, as a musician, especially having not just our conversation about the resonating, but then seeing these opening sequences through the fact that there are vibrations as music is playing, which is now moving sand and rocks in essence, gets me super pumped do you think that this season gives us when the dwarves dig just a little too deep in casa doom you remember you remember mm-hmm. in lord in in the fellowship of the ring and mm-hmm. you know gandalf you shall not pass and yeah. unleashes the, th- the the big demon do you think we get that in this season or we're gonna have to find out and you know is the resonating part of that and you know what is the demon there because Sauron comes back to life? Like, there's a whole bunch of different stuff that's at play here. Uh, I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I concur. Notice, Mary, too, that when the episode begins, it starts with Galadriel, and she's looking up at the starry sky. And it is the same constellations that the stranger is telling the um, fireflies oh, oh, yes. to create, to go up and mimic the the constellations Mm -hmm. tell me what your thoughts are about that mary is galadriel and the stranger connected the way that we thought they were in the first episode and is this visual confirmation for you that they are connected you think wait when did i say that i thought they were connected well remember when we were having the conversation when we said did the did Galadriel see the comet and okay, that's the reason yes. why she jumped or did the comet appear because she jumped Well, because she jumped like we were having that conversation, but it seemed to us in the first episode that they were inexorably connected in some mm-hmm. particular okay, way. Okay. I understand now. So is this visual confirmation that both Galadriel and the stranger are connected in a deeper way than the story is letting that, that, that in, in a deeper way than the story has led on so far, but is alluding to. Oh, I don't know. I haven't thought that far. That's about why you the got me, Marvin. <laughs> part of me is just part of me just wanted to sing uh, Fievel's little song from 
you know, when he's American Tail, I got American Tail, and it's you know, we're under the big under the same sky. Oh God, I'm like forgetting, you know, when they're both singing to the same star. He and his sister. Sure. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, but I don't know the words. I don't know what either this right is, now. This it's is just your... killing me because I love that song. Uh, th- that's your gig, kiddo. It totally is. Yeah, but that's what it made me feel like. We're company. all under the same sky right now, and mm-hmm. I did not get that. Sorry. So, yeah. Do you think that they are connected um, in, in a way Galadriel that the story- and yeah. the stranger? Yeah. No. Really? I'm not. How I'm come? seeing it as the stars are telling them something. Not that because Galadriel's looking at the stars and and Stranger is mimicking the stars with the fireflies that they that they are connected. I'm seeing it as the the stars are telling them things. Understood. Okay. Understood. All right. So let's just get into this conversation right now because we brought up the stranger. Who or what do you think the stranger is? Well, let's go through some options. Sure. Okay. Obviously, loads of people are wondering if it's Gandalf because he's an old guy with a beard. And he covers himself in a gray blanket. He doesn't mean to. It's just the only thing that they've got at the heart. But nevertheless, again, nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. There's always a point to everything. At least that's that's a Marion Blake media commandment. Yes. (laughs) Um, So that has been... And and he talks to the... He talks to the... the, um, why am I have? Why can fireflies? I not fireflies? Fireflies. There you go. If my brain would work, it talks to fireflies the way that Gandalf seems to speak to the butterflies, and then also hmm. it would explain why Gandalf has a love of hobbits because the people who actually would have helped the stranger are you know proto hobbits, if you will, the, you know, the oh. Harfoots. That would kind of make sense. Okay. And, you know, also, too, when you think about it, remember when Bilbo was kind of, you know, giving Gandalf a little bit of an attitude mm-hmm. and Gandalf was like, Bilbo Baggins! Like, he, his voice became, like, really big and, and prominent and it scared Bilbo. Yes. Same thing happens here. Just, you know, a little bit more aggressively. <sighs> so all of these things kind of point to the idea that it's Gandalf. Okay. Um, I don't think so. But I appreciate, I appreciate that theory. I don't think Gandalf is supposed to be here in the timeline this early. Once again, book fans, they're probably screaming right now. Like, yes. no kidding. But I don't think he's supposed to be here just yet. Um, so I'm not putting my money on him. Remember, my great is that I'm thinking everyone is evil. So I think he's an evil person. I don't know who. I don't know what. Yep. But I think he's bad news bears. So that's also something that has come up, speaking of evil person, and that is he could be Sauron. Mm -hmm. Now, there's also some visual language that seems to suggest that he might be Sauron. That is when, um, you know, he shows up and and it lands. It looks like he's in the eye of Sauron. Mm -hmm. And then there's also this little note that Nori falls into the pit and the the fiery embers and the the seeming to be lava does not burn her. And if you recall, Galadriel says in the first episode, evil is so prominent here in the northernmost waste uh, lands that fire does not give off heat. So there's yeah. a suggestion that it's the same kind of evil. Yeah. 
And when he wakes up, the fire goes out. And then when he when he goes back down, the fire comes back again. Like there's there's a whole bunch here. And then, of course, the other part is after he does his magic with the fireflies, firefly snake, because I forgot the freaking name again. I got you. The fireflies they die. die. Okay, so here's why I really think he's he's evil. I don't know who he is yet, and I don't know what he is yet. I don't think he's Gandalf. He came from that meteor that isn't hot, like you said. Right. Check number one for bad bad yep. news bears. Yep. When his meteor flew across the sky, the yellow leaf started to turn black. Check two, bad news bears. Mm-hmm. Then fireflies die. The moth didn't fly. Uh, the moth didn't die when Gandalf spoke to it. It flew away. Correct. Okay? All those little fireflies just died. <laughs> that's that's true. I mean, unless they're doing the same thing that they kind of did with Galadriel, where it's like they began Galadriel's character as someone who is fiery and angry and in hell bent on killing Sauron. In my opinion, no good for the sake character. Of an arc. No, in my in my opinion, in the Tolkien universe, no good character would be the reason that hundreds of fireflies would die. That's a, that's a fair argument. A claim in that a fair argument. The stranger is not good. Yeah, uh, part of me also wonders, maybe he's not Gandalf, but maybe he is one of the first wizards to show up in the Lord of the Rings universe. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there's talk of blue wizards, you know, um, and that they did show up in the Second Age, which is what eventually leads to uh, Saruman and Radagast and and, uh, what's Gandalf showing up in the Third Age. Mm -hmm. Again, we're going by what the books say here. And it's reasonable to assume that they are following some of the timeline that the books establish. But the other the other idea here, too, is like they have a bunch of characters from the Lord of the Rings universe seem name in most importantly, rather Durin and uh, Galadriel and Elrond. Who is to say that they don't take advantage of the fact that they could bring Gandalf in here, too, at the same time? Like, wouldn't it be nice to have this? Like, if you are so intent on having that transference from lord of the rings wouldn't you want gandalf in the show at this moment my gandalf in my heart would not be the reason of firefly deaths <laughs> i'm just saying you know what you're right i'm, I'm not just, gonna you're not gonna not run, my you're gandalf. Not gonna, you're not but run. i will say the thing he's saying it's like mono odorai it sounds like manure mono odorai you yeah. know um it supposedly means something about fire mm-hmm. so we know that gandalf can Bring about fire when he does that whole cool whippy thing. Yep. So we know that he's able to do that kind of stuff, but probably every wizard can. Probably every wizard says the word fire at some point in their life. Yeah, I'm not going to say no. But could he be asking to be brought to the mountain of fire? Maybe. (sighs) Maybe. I don't trust this guy. I don't trust it either. Plus, who eats shells of snails? (laughs) Only crazy people, exactly. bad people exactly. eat snail shells. Yes. And and I feel like, oh, that's why I'm telling you, I'm afraid for the Harfoot race. No wonder they're not here in yeah. the third age. <laughs> then speaking of fire, by the way, we have Celebrimbor who is uh, hanging out with Elrond. And Elrond seems to want to bring Celebrimbor to Casa Doom to create uh, some sort of partnership and alliance so that the dwarves would come out of Casa Doom and help build the one tower that would house this furnace 
that Celebrimbor wants to build so that they can create things that will help change the uh, the, the very face of Middle-earth. I was so on Durin's team for this encounter. I am pleased that Elrond and Celebrimbor seem to have walked the entire way. Because I know about the elves in the future. They have they have deer and elk moose. and moose yep. and, and horses. And yet, for some reason, the elves here... <laughs> They're just walking. Yeah, they need to stop at REI to get some new boots. We call that the Father Pierleg route. Get it. Get <laughs> from a the last kingdom. water pack. <laughs> and Celebrimbor and, and Elrond's there. Oh, we're going to eat. It's going to be great. I, yeah. know, I know where we can get cheap labor. Yeah, sure. My buddy. Yeah, and... And they're gonna feed us. It's gonna and be then great. And he shows up. The dwarves say no, and he says, "Okay, Celebrimbor, you gotta turn around. <laughs> no moose, no elk. Just see you later. No rei to stop and get some new trail mix. <laughs> trail mix. Goodbye. You got a protein bar? No. Okay, sucks to suck. And yet Elrond goes in, thinking he's the best. It made me feel like those friends that leave you high and dry mm-hmm. until they need you to paint the rooms in their house. Oh, they oh, got hey, to get hey, you to I'm move. Moving. I'm moving. Do you think, you know, I'll pay you with beer or pizza. What? No. Where have you been? You missed my wedding. <laughs> I, 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 you missed the baby's birth. You think I want to paint your walls? What? Why are you just calling me when you need work? <laughs> this is a terrible relationship. So I was on Durin's side yeah, for this. Yeah, Durin on this one too. I agree. And again, you kind of have to be because of the relationship that is shown between the two. You, as a normal human being, understand the fact that 20 years is a long existence. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mary, we haven't even been together for 20 years. And we've been together for, for a long time. I mean, we met back in 07. Now, granted, that is a blink of an eye for an elf, so I yes. can appreciate. But here's the only thing I could say about Durin. Okay. Did you send Elrond a wedding invitation, a save the date, a birth announcement, I doubt it, because Elrond seems to love mail. You know, he was writing his letter. I feel like that guy would be meticulous. If he received an invitation, he probably would put it in his calendar. He would have gone on the Amazon wish list well ahead of time to make sure he gets the perfect gift. He would have spent the extra money on the nice wrapping paper that reminded him of leaves. (laughs) Got a matching card. You know, the expensive kind that has a foil to it. Yep. He would have done all the ribbons and everything. If Elrond had properly been invited to the wedding, he would have been there. Absolutely. He's not busy. He would have gotten the most expensive thing in the registry. He hasn't been fighting with uh, Galadriel. He's just been at home (laughs) writing little notes. So part of me says Durin. Elrond's planner is... He does the bullet journaling. Oh, and you know what he has too? He has the colored little... Like the the little tabs, so that he knows yes. certain colors mean certain things. Exactly. And yeah, oh yes. I was about ready for him to say, "You didn't invite me. How was I to know?" Let me bring out my schedule. All I saw were your Facebook pics that everybody shared. I said, "Wow, didn't get invited to another party of Thanks Durin's." Thanks for that. Am I am I complaining now, Durin? Yeah. No, I'm not complaining. Did you come to my 792nd birthday party? <laughs> I'm not complaining to you. Yet, nevertheless, I am still on Team Durin. And oh, you uh, are too. I'm team. I'm on team oh, Durin. Nice. Yeah, you can't be skipping out on me for 20 years. <laughs> you can't be skipping out on me. And the fact, the fact here is that Elrond, even though his ignorance is charming and his ignorance about it is, uh, you understand his perspective. He still has enough emotional intelligence and wherewithal to look at Durin and say, "Congratulations." Yes. 
and I, I'm very sorry, and please let me apologize to your bride. I thought he was going to apologize first when he put his hand there. Yes. And I loved that he said congratulations first. You want to know why? Because of Jennifer freaking Hutchinson. That's why. She I, I, is awesome. I would have said I'm sorry. Yeah. But, but his saying congratulations made me rethink that maybe I've apologized too much too quickly and I should say the nice thing first and then I'm sorry. Yep. Yep. Well done, Elron. And, and all of this works because later on when they go to the dinner, and again, they have the scene with the kids and running around with the helmets on and and, the, and Disa's like, no, he's staying for dinner. Don't you worry. It reminds me, if you recall, remember the, uh, the movie World War Z? The one with Brad Pitt and the zombies and everything? Yeah. Damon Lindelof was brought in as a writer for that film to like, after it was all written, Brad Pitt contacted him and said, hey, I love what you did on Lost. I need you to come here and make our characters likable. And Damon Lindelof, what he did is the first thing he did was if you remember the scene in World War Z at the beginning of the film. I don't. Okay, well, I'm just saying for you, the listener, if you remember the film, there's a scene where Brad Pitt and his wife are in bed, and it's their kids come running into the room, mm-hmm. and it it makes that they're talking about pancakes or whatever, and they have this great familial moment in bed after they wake up. That is what makes characters likable, and the same exact thing happens here in the dinner scene with Durin and Disa and the family and Elrond. And speaking of uh, Elrond, Mary, we have, as we had mentioned earlier, the whole thing with uh, Celebrimbor and mm-hmm. their relationship, and that's what ended up getting Elrond into Casa Doom anyway. Yes. I, listen, the whole thing with this, uh, with the Silmarils and uh, the the Hammer of Feanor. And Ready? Like, you want to hear a sound? What? <laughs> Right over my head. <laughs> right over my head. So the Feanor was this, uh, you know, Elven Smith, just like Celebrimbor is. Okay, but this was, but this was from the first age, and Feanor. Hopefully he wasn't as snobby. <laughs> Celebrimbor seems all right to me. No, on the on the elf level of snobbiness. Yeah, he's okay, up there what, with the king. What's a scale on a scale of one to ten? Where is he at? Okay, so the least snobby, I have Elrond. Okay, fair enough. Secondly, snobby. Um, Finrod. Oh, okay. You know they're neck and neck. I'm you know, here for it. Here's a dark horse for you, Galadriel. She'd be she'd little be right snobby. in the middle. Little snobby. Yeah, she's in the middle. She's not. She's not not snob. She is snob. Sure, but, but not snobby. So so Celebrimbor is in between Galadriel and the High King. Mm. <laughs> Are we like at an eight eight and a half? I mean, they are neck and neck. All right, fair enough. I think Calabrimbor thinks he's higher class than the king. Well, I he, think he's fancy. He has a goal, and that is to create something that is as beautiful and as useful for Middle Earth as was the Silmarils. And the Silmarils were these were these you know jewels that uh, were created by Feanor, which was another, uh, as we said, F- Elvin uh, Smith, and Morgoth was uh, came in into. Um, possession of the Silmarils and that is what they're talking about when they're saying like this oh this hammer you know it created something of such beauty but caused so much pain and that um story is covered in the Silmarillion uh, of course, but in naturally the the show can't go into that because it doesn't have the rights to Silmarillion so they just kind of allude to it 
In this case, though, Celebrimbor is building this big tower, and that big tower is for uh, the the idea that they're going to create something. Now, I feel like we can all say this with a pretty safe bet that Celebrimbor is going to be the guy that creates the Rings of Power. I think that is a safe deduction. I uh, I think it is it is fair to to say that. Um. What do you think about this? Do you? Th- I, I know you said that he's snobby, <laughs> um, but which is really funny that you're saying that. Um, but w- what do you think about this? And what do you think about um, Elrond actually being like? I, I just find it so ironic in the most beautiful way that Elrond is potentially the person who helps bring the Rings of Power into into existence and like is that why he takes such a big stance on making sure that yeah sauron's defeated i think he's gonna feel a lot of guilt a lot of guilt sure a big old whoops (sighs) (laughs) you know what he's saying He's, he's gonna say in in his uh in his bed at night He's going to say this. Not great, Bob. He is going to have to look at those abandoned dead caves of Casa Doom and know that some of it is his fault. Mm-hmm. All right, my love, is there anything else? <laughs> <laughs> it's all his fault. It is all your It's not all his fault, but some of it is his fault. He's a sweet little thing who I just want to give a big old hug to. Yep. Um, so, yeah, Calibrimbor, I... Goodbye. I'm I'm not here for him. I'm just gross. I'm done. I don't, he's not going to be my friend. However, Durin, you know, he's my jam. I loved even being though a- he's lying to Elrond about whatever he and his father have in that little case. Why do we think he's lying? Well, because he, he's he's withholding. Who cares? Well, withholding and lying is not the same thing. I haven't oh, seen this guy in twenty years. You've told me many times that withholding and lying are when the same thing. When it's with me, when it's a guy you haven't seen for twenty years, fair. Need to know basis. Okay, and he don't need to know. No, you didn't come to my wedding. You, however, were the person I married at my wedding. Gotcha. No withholding. Okay, fair enough. Um, I loved seeing Casa Doom. Yeah, and, and the theme for Casa Doom from Bear uh, McCreary. That is the musical choice that I would like pulled up today. Okay, hold on one second. Because me, uh... it's my favorite piece from episode two. Just a gentle reminder, of course, that Bear McCreary seems to be dropping new albums every single episode. If you wanted to check it out and you just... I actually find them very pleasant to go to sleep to. Oh. There's a, good, a couple of them. But not as great to sleep to, but you just hit that little skip button and you are good to go. Right, go. Cause of Doom is one that uh, the, the children I have been listening to. Mm-hmm. So, Blake, why don't you start it off? Let's do it. So, obviously, we've got this low percussion, low strings, loads of percussion here in Cause like of Doom. Me- metal banging. That's called a cymbal. Sure. Yeah. That, whatevs. Yeah. We've got these beautifully low, deep male voices. Yep. Very much along the same lines as the Hobbit movie when all the dwarves are over <laughs> in uh, Bilbo's oh, house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just start bloody singing. <laughs> singing all together. Out of nowhere. <laughs> yes. Um, and he's standing there like, how do you guys know the same song? It must be an elf and dwarf thing, I guess. But I just, you feel that. You feel yeah. that. Um, and notice the direct 
the direct opposition to the elven mm-hmm. style, which is, you know, very ethereal, almost like high Yeah, notes. those are the higher voices, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we've got some nice low brass once again, but it's very... Um, you know, it's a march. It's just very militant and strict with this pacing of it, mm-hmm. which I almost picture the dwarves, you know, like just marching. kind of marching along. Exactly. <laughs> with their little legs. Uh, and the the brass make me think just about the brilliance that we do have inside Casa Doom with yeah. all the lights, because of course we've seen it yep. demolished and dark and with death. Yeah. Uh, did you feel like the the stairs that they were walking down as we hear that theme? Yeah. Oh, you want me to bring it and back? It, up again? It's. I mean, it can just be low. All right. Um, as Elrond is walking down the stairs, he's being led to have the rock smash. Yes. Rock smash off with a. Well, I forget what it's called. I invoke. Oh, the Seguin Taraj. Ah, yes. Yeah, when he's you. gonna go do sing, sing, God bless you. Uh, <laughs> Those reminded me of the stairs that the Fellowship had to run across in yes. uh, Fellowship of the Ring as they're doing their grand escape through right. Moria. You shall not pass. Yes, yes. yes. So it's just, I, you can't not see it. Obviously, they can't m- copy the same exact thing. Right. But it's in the But the visual book. language is there. Yes. You know, it, it's there. It's, a, it's at least suggesting it. Um, yeah, very interesting. We and you know what I noticed? Voices. Too? Which, which uh, uh, naturally actually makes sense to me because of the resonating. Exactly. Right? And this is what's really cool is we know that they're singing inside these grand, right. strong, um, firm rocks. So you have this pretty melody with these female voices coming on through mm-hmm. with still that harshness. Yep. So I, that's this is my favorite. The thing this. that I love most about Casa Doom, aside from during, you know, putting the, the tree in there and oh how could this tree not grow when it's surrounded by love the way that it is that's great but the way that the thing that I love most about Casa Doom is how they project light into the mountain they have it reflecting the sun mm-hmm. and it reflects off of each you know each mirror yeah, let's mirror. say mm-hmm. and it goes throughout the rest throughout the rest and you can see it almost like as a spotlight and there's that great scene as <clears throat> Elrond and Durin are going up the up the elevator the as the conversation starts to lighten a little bit between the mm-hmm. two, where they're starting, where they're starting to have after the mea culpa, after yeah, the I'm sorry, they're starting to have a little bit of an understanding of each other. The light carries over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, such a cool effect, and uh, it, just part of the world building that we're getting. I'm excited uh, to hang Kazakh on out Doom. with Disa a little bit more, Prince Duran's wife. Yes, um, I don't know if we'll see the kids' faces. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of wonder if that's on purpose because what would dwarves' kids look like? Would they have beards? Would they? Um, I yeah. don't know. I just don't Are know. They, do they have early onset puberty? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. So I'm just, I really don't. It'll, it'll be fine. There, um, sorry. There's one other thing that I want to talk about, and this is not necessarily about the dwarves, unless you have something that you wanted to mention about the dwarves. I was gonna switch lands altogether. So while we're in Casa Doom, go for it. Okay. Well, I'm not talking about the the dwarves. I'm actually talking back uh, again about the Harfoots, and I noticed that when they're in Rovanian. Okay, when they're in, when they're there, <laughs> and the stranger, you know, Nori meets up with the stranger again, and he he, he yells and he freaks out and whatever. Uh, he's writing these runes, and it looks like he's writing the symbol of Sauron at one point. Oh. I could be wrong. I could. It looks that way, but uh, again, maybe wrong. Either way, as he's writing the runes, the you know the Nori's father is putting up this little tent. 
and he snaps his foot. Oh, uh, and, so gross! And it was it was gross. I know Mary was she was not happy not with that happy. scene. Nope. <laughs> um, but the way that it was edited, as someone who has had a major bone break, oh yeah, you know that sound. So, uh, at the way that this this scene was edited. Uh, the intent seems to be that there was a, as I had suggested, there was a connection between Galadriel and the stranger. That I, I'm pulling that from the text, but the way that this this particular scene was edited, this scene clearly states that there is some sort of connection between the runes that the stranger is writing and the words that he is muttering, and the fact that the rope is breaking and then eventually breaks, and that causes Nori's father to break his ankle. Once again, another check mark for I don't think this guy is good news. It's 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 all fair, you know. And that, but that also, on the other hand, the, the 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 devil's advocate in me says maybe this person just isn't aware of the power that they have. I don't care. You just hurt Nori's dad. What did he do to you? Now he can't travel. Is he going to be left behind? So I'd love to know the th- like is you know between the the firefly. I keep wanting to say mosquitoes. Between the fireflies die and the thing happened with Nori's dad. I think the thing with Nori's dad is actually going to play a major role. Yeah, because they're talking about can we still can they migrate migrate? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that means they would leave him behind or if because Harfoot stick together, are they going to stick together? And is that going to cause them some yeah. massive difficulties yeah. because they won't be able to go? You know, towards the next land that needs to be harvested. And is this why they die? <laughs> this Again, this is why when you watch a show, you have to pay attention to what is happening. That This edit makes a clear connection between the two. And if you're watching it and you're paying attention to what the edit shows, it's not just about what's being said or the colors, whatever, but it's how the story is being presented to you. It's not just about what the story is saying. It's how it is being said to you, which will help inform what you're watching. All right. So we'll talk about man now. Human. Humans. Okay. okay because let's be real. Humans right now are the most boring ones of, of I don't know, with the people. The, with Theo. With Theo. Theo right yeah. No, he's, he's the exception. Yeah. We do need to address our friends on the boat, however. Yes. Yeah, so, so we have Halbrand and then we have a bunch of people. Who, who just die. Apparently, right. you know, their boat got screwed up by the worm. Maybe they were on the way from wherever to wherever. Who knows? Maybe they were coming from the Southlands. I, who knows? Yes, they were coming from the Southlands. Okay, yep. Because so, the orcs destroyed there. So I'm picturing that they are from... Oh, that town. Har- Harmons. I feel yeah. like that was it. Uh, the one that Bronwyn and... Yes. Aridin go to check out yes. and that there's nobody there. Yes. Okay. So that's where I'm picturing these people to be from. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that means that maybe this guy is Theo's dad. Like if these people were originally from that village oh, and Halbrand? Bronwyn. Yeah. If Halbrand is Theo's dad. Halbrand. <sighs> oh, I don't want to get into that. I don't though. know. I'm just saying if I think he's from there. And so is Bronwyn. And now nobody's there. And they said the orcs ruined everything and burned it all. So I'm just assuming that that was their town that they were running from. And now they're trying to go back to. But in my mind, I'm like, why would you just run away and go on a boat? Mm -hmm. Where were you trying to go? Why don't you just go to the next town and ask for some help? Excuse me. Go go hang out where Bronwyn is. Exactly. But instead they did something else. And he did leave everybody. So that's another thing that I don't trust him. I don't trust Halbrand because Galadriel's right. You just left all your friends to die. Right. That's a good point. Very good point. I think Halbrand. Bad news? I think he's Sauron. 
in disguise. Oh, I like it. Because he is from that dark area. I like it. And in this episode, the humans from Bronwyn's town were saying we're waiting for our king to return. Mm. And I bet you they mean Sauron as their king. Oh, I like it. And it's going to be him. Yep. And he's been hanging out with Galadriel this whole time, getting to know her. Mm. And she's going to trust him. And how wicked will that be that irony, if the person yeah. that she's been traveling with and that she opens up to a bit over time ends up being the man that she's been chasing? Oh, yes, I like it. And that's why she's so stoic later on in the uh, in the Lord of the Rings series. And that's why Theo's a mess because he's really his son. <laughs> you know what? Multiple theories, only one. But I'm Mary, sticking to the Sauron thing. Mary, but... I'm in on this theory. Oh my gosh, thank you. I'm kind of in on this theory. I'm telling you, I don't trust anybody right now. <laughs> If you are involved in death yep. and it is okay with you, like he's not crying that his friends are dead and eaten by the worm. Sure. He's not sad. Yep. Yep. I agree. You're you're bad to me. I like it. Thank you. I like this idea that the kid the kid might be Sauron's kid, and that's why the blood goes to the to, to the to the sword. That's why the sword manifests itself. Maybe he becomes a Nazgul. Uh, oh, maybe he's one of the kings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Mary, 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 Mary. Is it the black, black, dark speech? Is it whatever it is with the subtitles? Tell me it is. Yeah, sure. It's like Saruman's language. Saruman's language. All right. Anything else you want to talk about uh, for this episode, my darling? No. Except no. Elrond. <clears throat> he's not standing up to his promise. What do you mean? What did he promise Galadriel? That he would make sure that everything gets taken care of. If? If he sees anything wrong. If he finds out anything's wrong. Yes. Well, he found out that there's some truth to it, and instead, the bloody king distracts him and uh, says, and Oh, sends Elrond, him off, yeah. you know, you're so good at this. I'm just going to praise you and distract you. Elrond, you just found out that there might be some truth to this that you swore mm-hmm. that you would take care of. And this is why he's going to have even mm, more guilt like because it. he's going to be upset that he was distracted by this when he should have followed that little line of truth. I like it. Are right, you ready to get us some trivia? Yes. All right, let's do it. Yes. Sorry. Buddy. I wrote. I wrote. I read it last last time. It's just not in pink in the Google Docs. Well, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. All right. So this, of course, is the trivia that is shown on the side of the page when you're watching Amazon Prime Video. But if you're watching it on a TV, it's a little hard to see it. But you get to rely on us. We're here for you, friends. We will be your your touch screen friends. All right. So the stars are especially beloved by the elves who revere the Vala Elbereth also called Varda, but all of the cultures of Middle-earth have attributed constellations to the heavens above. Very nice, very nice. Given their diminutive size, halflings called humans the big folk and did their best to avoid crossing paths with them, thanks in part to their impressive knack for disappearing swiftly and silently. Uh, Eregion. Eregion, God bless you, is the new elven realm in Middle-earth. It's the one, of course. Um, It's to the west of the Misty Mountains. It was founded in the early Second Age by Noldor, high elves especially known for their craftsmanship, and that's where Celebrimbor was, of course. Uh, The door is the original West Gate 
of Casa Doom, the one that Elrond goes and knocks on and yes. doesn't get in at first. On it are carved inscriptions in Surth, a runic alphabet originally derived by the elves, but adapted for dwarven purposes to carve their language into stone. Mm. Dwarves are shorter than elves and men, but they are tough, thrawn, l- laborious. Am I saying that right? Laborious. Laborious. That's how you say that. I love that I like no words when I read them, but when I say them out loud. And famously, lovers <laughs> of stone, gems. Oh, we forgot the gem. And all things created by craft. Don't forget, we need to talk about the no, gem. No, that, that's my th- one of the theories. Oh. Ah. Okay. okay. Despite or perhaps because of it, the difficulties of an in- itinerant. See, another word that I don't know how to say. Itinerant. Itinerant life. <laughs> I'm <laughs> It's like I don't speak for a living. And challenges of finding their next meal. Halflings have a deep love of food and an undoubtedly adventurous appetite. They'd eat six meals a day if they could. The Great Sea, or the Sundering Seeds, divides the Undying Lands from Middle Earth, where they are still nameless things in the deepest places of the world. Plus the, like worm. the worm. Yes. Elves and dwarves have traditionally held many grievances against each other. Embers of the dwarves' grudge against the elves linger even from the Elder Days. Like all of Casa Doom, Durin's home is carved straight out of the mountain rockets buried deep within, upheld by stone pillars. Gold and jewels are used generously, as there is no lack of such riches here, and magnificent lanterns keep the dark at bay. The men of Middle-earth can be known to fear and misdoubt elves, yet they often know little of them. Mm. Avendir's armor is typical of his garrison, the Sylvan Elves, filled with natural influences of their many loves. The ring on his thumb bears the inscription, May our arrows sing in Sindarin. Wow. There are many kinds of orcs of different sizes, best suited for specific purposes. They were first bred by the dark power of the North in the Elden, Elder Days. And though immortal and hardy of body, elves may still die by injury and unnatural causes including drowning. Oh, so like when those rats are going by Aaron Deer and like he can't get poisoned, like maybe he can get poisoned by those rats because that was gross. That, for those uh, adults who've watched The Descent, oh. that's all I kept thinking about for, for poor Aaron Deer. Brutal. That was the most, suspe- they, they did a great job between the kitchen and orc scene and yeah. Aaron Deer being in that little tunnel. Blake and I were trying to figure out were those rats real? Are they CGI rats? Whatever they were, they gave us the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, and then and get then, snatched. Oh, the snatching. Oh, <laughs> You know, last episode we watched, I thought, our nine-year-old can watch this. Yeah. This episode, mm. he'd be having some nightmares. We will not, we wouldn't let our seven-year-old watch this. And mind you, this is not us casting any judgment, because there's a lot of seven-year-olds who can handle yeah, this. Sure. Our kids, no. between Bear McCreary score <laughs> and the creepy orcs, our kids may... Uh, May may not be watching. I'm not episode. sure if they would handle the slamming of the orc head down well on the counter. No, I'm I, the orc in general in this episode. Oh yeah, that would be terrifying. Anything orc related. Yeah. <laughs> so our kids haven't been watching the show, nor will they for quite some time. Um, but I like to look at each episode thinking, could my kids watch this? Our kids, <laughs> gentle beings that they are, couldn't watch this one. Yep. All right, and um, it's time for some hot takes. You ready for the hot takes, Mary? You got one? Of course. You said well, you, you do. Did, you you just gave a really good one, by the way. So I will. I'll take it over for you. Oh, what? The the hot takes. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm gonna take. I'll. I'll. I got a hot take for you. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. All right. So here we go. Here's my. Here I got two hot takes for you. I think it's important that what you said, Mary, actually kind of gives me this idea. 
that about the dwarves or about ab- man about Halbrand is actually Sauron. Thanks. And I like this idea because it is Galadriel and uh, Halbrand, who is otherwise known as Sauron in this in this idea. In this idea, but we'll right. call him Halbrand normally. Getting picked up at the end of this episode by one person. And my thought is that person is going to be Isildur. And now we all know that Isildur is the prince uh, to uh, the elven, I'm sorry, the, the human kingdom who refuses to eventually give up the ring of power. Uh, and we all know this because of the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, and the monologue and the prologue that was given at the beginning of the film. So my thought is that Isildur Galadriel and who we are presuming or, you know, where we're positing is Sauron. Um, they all are together. And that is how Isildur is, is eventually. Oh, so this like fuels my fire. Yeah. Of my theory. Yeah. That Halibram is Sauron. Is Sauron. Oh, I love it. How cool would that be? How cool would it be if I actually got a right theory? Because I don't get theories a lot. Yep. I'm proud of myself. And is- Isildur refuses to give up the ring because he saw what it did to Halbrand and who eventually became Sauron. Hmm. And that's why he doesn't give it up. I like this. I like this idea. I like where we're going with this. Okay, I'm happy. Like, like we're writing our own show right now. <laughs> <laughs> but another one, another uh, option that I have here for a hot take is this. What Durin and his father are keeping from... Oh, I told you what that was. Uh, well, yes. Well, you have an idea and I have an idea. Oh, okay. It is. What Durin is hiding from Elrond is it could possibly be what you think that it is, Mary. And I think what it's do you the Arkenstone. It yes. I think it's the Arkenstone, that beautiful glowy stone that we saw in the Hobbit series that the dwarves were obsessed with, that was stuck in the lot of all that, the the money and jewels that the dragon smog was, was guarding right. over because I would think it's like, I think it was said that, that it's part of like Durin's earlooms. Yes. So my thought... It had the same pretty cotton candy glow. (laughs) So my thought is that this is one of the Silmarils that was forged by Feanor. And that is one of the things that uh, the dwarves have found. And they're keeping it from the elves because that really means a lot to the elves. And if Sauron is back and he gets his hand on one of these Silmarils or whatever, it's like it just it ties everything together. Okay. If it's one of the Silmarils. It like it, it ties everything Could all the together. Could Arkenstone be part Silmaril? Maybe. Could it be used in the Silmaril? It could be. It absolutely could be. It could be. So So there you got it, friends. We've so got a that. bunch of ideas. That's our theory. All right, Marvin, you got anything else? You wanna close this bad boy out? That is it. All right, let's do it. Thank you so much, friends, for tuning in as we delved even more into the Tolkien world, including all of these lovely places with all of these interesting characters. We are so excited to be joining you episode by episode. If you're listening to this in a podcast app, do us a favor and write us a review. Your reviews are going to go a long way because there's a lot of Lord of the Rings podcasts out there. Yes. And we want to make sure that people know that ours exists and that you like it. The other thing that you can do is you can actually share this podcast with a friend. You can hit that share button on your podcast app and share it in your social media. Another great way to do it is actually in your stories. You could do a screenshot 
of this app playing right in your phone right now, as long as you're not driving, you could screenshot it and pop it in there and suggest to people that they check out this podcast if they're a fan of the show as well. And if you're doing that on the social media, please go ahead and check out Mary and Blake and all the social media platforms that are available to you, whether it is Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, whatever you, whatever platform you're on, we're on there too. Check us out. Get in contact with us. Reach out. We have are some officially fun. the eighth podcast for the Lord of the Rings kind of stuff for Rings of Power. Oh, wow. Interesting. So we want to thank our friends. We've had three ratings. And you know what? I'm just going to shout you all out by name. Okay. Thank you, Saba... Sabasa BS BZ Sabasa Bs. I'm hope I'll, I'm close. I'm close somewhere. And then Jay McKenney. I'm on. Burgundy. And then someone else did a rating. Remember when you do a rating, you want to also leave the review. You want to yes. write a couple of sentences. It goes a long, long way. Yes, and of course, one last thing that we would like you to do is to check out jointhenerdclan.com. Because as we have told you before, this is a mom and pop podcast shop. We are not aligned with any of the major corporations or any of that stuff. We are here talking about Lord of the Rings just because we can. And we get to say all the things that we do because that's what we truly believe. And the only way we can keep this going is by your support at jointhenerdclan.com. Become one of the members at the Nerd Clan. You, trust me, you won't regret it. It's amazing. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a little And you get free fun, free fun swag, too. So. That's right. And we'll be sending you holiday cards for our friends who are... And gifts. Levels and gifts. So oh, yeah. keep your eyes peeled there. All right, friends. My name is Mary. My name is Blake. And you've been listening to The Rings of Power with Mary and Blake. Kazadoom! <laughs>